All right, so, um, can you tell me something I really didn't need to know? Hey, Mom, tell me something I didn't need to know. So how about let's learn something we really don't need to know. Hi, everyone. Hello. Welcome to Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know. I am your host, Mary Swartz. And I am Hannah Green. Yay! Woo! We're here. We're back. We're back. We are freaking back. We're always back. I know. I love your shirt. Thanks. I don't believe I've ever seen that shirt before. I don't know, but I do need a huge margarita. And it is Margarita Wednesday. It is Margarita Wednesday. You are correct. Yeah. We are recording for 4th of July, so happy 4th to everybody if you celebrate it, and happy Sunday if you do not. Yeah. So what's new in your life, Mary? Oh my gosh, I don't know. So much and not enough and... Yeah? Yeah. Such as? I'm a little overwhelmed. You're a little overwhelmed? A little overwhelmed. Why are you overwhelmed? I don't know. I really don't know. It's all right. Some days we all feel a little overwhelmed. It'll be fine. It will be absolutely fine. That's why they made alcohol. Hell yes. Speaking of? Woohoo. Yeah, speaking of, what are we drinking? Does, uh, it, does anyone know what we're drinking? I hope so, because you're the one that made it and put this beautiful drink in our glasses. Yeah, I did. What are we drinking? It is called a Rum Sunset Cocktail. And it is tasty as all heck. Yes. And basically, it is um, spiced rum, or if you don't like spiced rum, I suppose you could use any rum. It is supposed to be orange juice. I had orange pineapple juice and grenadine. That's it. Yeah. Well, super it's... Super simple, super easy, super delicious. I feel like this is a going down the river in a kayak drink. Oh, yeah. Definitely. This is definitely an easy drink. By the thermos. Oh, that is delicious. Yes. Definitely rum. goes down very easy. Rum Sunset Cocktail. Lovely. I have no idea what that was about. All right. I have no idea. Um, Gee, what do you know today? I, I'm a little flustered. I don't even know what I don't know. I don't know what I don't know. Well, take a deep breath. Have a sip of your drink. Tell us what's going on on the it's other not, podcast. It's not going to help telling me what I, what I don't know. Uh, okay. So, um, for anyone who did not catch it this morning, Murder, Mischief, and Moscato threw out a bonus episode for all their listeners, free of charge. Yay! It's called... Don't try this at home. We've covered a lot of stupid criminals, a lot of <laughs> a lot of stupid crimes. So that was this morning. Next Wednesday on a regular episode, Murder, Mischief, and Moscato is putting out a long time coming, which covers the McDonald's boys and the Mary Morris murders. Ooh. That was good. I that know one it was. was good. Yeah. That, that was, was a really interesting super good. It was an interesting story to research. It was definitely an interesting story to listen to, but you tend to find those. I do try. You do. You do a good job with all of that. Thanks. So, yeah, hopefully everybody is enjoying their fourths. Hopefully, maybe you're listening to this while you're throwing bean bags or those little horseshoe things or... Floating down the river in a kayak. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you could just put this on your boombox. A lot of people do. Not this particularly, but they put music. You could put this and just make everybody on the river listen to it. That would be fun. So, um, for anyone who's interested, July 4th is the National Barbecued Spare Ribs Day. Ooh. Yeah. So, get your charcoal ready. I love a good, oh man, good ribs. Oh Oh, man, yes. We smoked ribs 
twice last summer, I think. Oh, so good. Freaking amazing. Of course, the secret is in the barbecue sauce. You have to have good meat, but you have to have a good barbecue sauce. Yes, but I think it's a whole combination of you have to have a good rub to start with. Well, yeah. Um, and then the barbecue sauce, like, you just, the whole thing has to fall together But if you, you can have amazing meat and amazing rub, and it can be cooked perfectly, if you have shit for barbecue sauce, it's, it's done. Oh. It's ruined. You gotta have good barbecue sauce. Uh, I picked up, when we were on vacation last year, we were in Kentucky, I yeah. picked up a bourbon barbecue sauce for my husband, so we're going to use that. Ooh, yeah. lovely. Pretty excited. So, one of the most popular days to barbecue and grill, obviously, July 4th. Backyards, patios, and beaches will be heating up with the flavors of spare ribs. Because while steak is great, uh, spare ribs are generally a much less expensive cut of pork. And they can be seasoned, obviously, with any variety of spices. Oh, yeah. Rubs, sauces. Remember when you're eating them. Do not wear your good clothes, because while some manners go out the window, you have to try to eat them with some type of... Dignity? Dig I'm not sure. I don't know if dignity is the right word, but we'll use it. Uh, yeah, so you eat it with your fingers, but carry plenty of napkins. Don't wipe your hands on your shirt, and the more ribs you eat, and the better they are, the more napkins you will use. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. So, yep, National Barbecue Spare Rib Jay. Well, that's interesting because I also have a day that involves food. Well, we love food. We love food. We love drinks. Um, July 4th is also National Sidewalk Egg Frying Day. Okay. Because it's July and because it's hot and because why not? Does the sidewalk actually get hot enough? Well, I'm going to talk about that. Okay. Have you ever actually tried to fry an egg on a sidewalk? No, because I've heard varying stories as to whether or not it can be done. Exactly. It is possible, although not probable, that you could. Eggs need to reach a temperature of 158 degrees to cook all the way through. You will probably have better success if you use a frying pan on top of blacktop. Rather than sense. Rather than just cracking mm. an egg open on a concrete sidewalk. But if we just crack it open on the blacktop? Um, the, the frying pan conducts the heat in a way that makes it more conducive to cooking the egg all the way through. Okay. <clears throat> so the hood of your car. I imagine that gets hot enough. Is even better yet, but that's not a sidewalk. No, it's not. Yeah. Just don't forget the bacon. Can you cook bacon on the sidewalk? Would you want to? I want it cooked if I'm going to eat it. You don't want the grit that goes with it though. Oh. All right. All right. Very cool. Yeah. So, my first little tidbit's going to take us back to 1972. Okay. There were some firemen in Wales, and they spent several days putting out a fire on a 12,000-ton Swiss vessel by the name of Kasserat. Okay. Uh, there were timbers stacked in the upper holds of the ship that had caught fire 25 days earlier. Oh, my goodness. Sea. And so, while they're at sea, the crew is able to keep it under control. Oh, my gosh. Okay. But when it docks in Wales, firemen have to come in to put all of it out. Right. Otherwise, like, the docks could catch fire. It could spread to other That's ships. That's right. I'm amazed that they kept it contained. That is amazing. And that they were still able to sail the boat home. Yes. That is amazing. Here's the problem. What were they carrying? Oh, no. You wanted to know? Gunpowder? 
1,500 tons of tapioca. Oh, Jesus. What do you put water out with? Or what do you put fire out with? Uh, well, you put, you put water out with fire. Yeah, you put fire out with water. So now you have tapioca and water. Mm. The, ta- the water seeped down into the hole, and the tapioca began to swell. Oh, God. And it swells a lot. Yes, it does. How do you cook tapioca, you ask? With heat. heat. Fire has heat. (laughs) I think this is the perfect storm. (laughs) Did they have raisins? (laughs) Shriveled up dried grapes, you mean? (laughs) So basically, the ship had become a gigantic steam oven, and the tapioca is down there in the hole cooking itself. (laughs) The firefighters were concerned that the pressure of the tapioca could burst the steel plates on the ship and make it sink. So once the smoldering lumber was removed, the plan was to unload the tapioca into trucks and haul it off and dispose of it. <laughs> Why would you try to feed people with it? I'm not sure. Maybe it's contaminated. Oh, yeah, I guess maybe. Yeah, okay. One estimate says there was enough tapioca to fill 500 trucks. Oh, my God. Either way, that's a lot of tapioca. Luckily, the pressure began to subside once the fire was out, and the decision was made to sail the ship to Rotterdam and let the Dutch deal with it. <laughs> wow. This is back in 1972. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so I hadn't said anything yeah, about you that. Did. Yeah, you did. 1972, tapioca. Wow. Yeah. All right. That's a fun thing. So, there's a young lady lives in Virginia. Her name is Avery, and... Uh, She's getting ready to graduate from high school. And her father, who is estranged from her family, her parents are divorced, uh, shows up at her house where she lives with her mother with his final child support payment. Okay. And she said to the local, Avery told the local TV station, my mom came out and was like, what are you dumping in my yard? Well, being an ex that leaves a whole lot of things open. (laughs) discussion as to what they're dumping she didn't know who it was until he shouted it's your final child support payment to the tune of 80,000 pennies now he comes across as an asshole vindictive and extraordinarily childlike (sighs) yeah yeah so first of all it's a lot of pennies yeah how many banks do you go to to get that many pennies god only knows and Although banks can order them for you. Yes. It's a lot of weight, though. It's a lot of weight. It's kind of like you put a lot of effort into this stupid childish prank that, or whatever you want to call it, because that's not really a prank. Yeah, no. So he dumped them into the lawn of the okay. home. Last, this happened last month. Okay, so she. Okay, so she's getting ready to graduate. Yep. And he yep. comes by with the final child support payment. And dumps 80,000 pennies in the front yard. What an asshole. Yeah. So she was devastated by her dad's behavior. Thoughtlessness. Actions. So she, her mom, and several friends picked up the tens of thousands of pennies. And then they had to figure out what to do next with them. And this is what they came up with. They donated the $800 to a domestic abuse center. Good for her. Now, officials with the Safe Harbor Shelter which is a Richmond, Virginia organization that offers services for survivors of domestic violence, sexual violence, and human trafficking. 
confirmed the donation and said, they were able to turn such a negative experience and what her daughter witnessed into a positive. They found a way to turn this around and not feel devastated about it. Now, there's another awesome part to this story. Okay. Since the local media covered this story and then it kind of went viral and went national, the shelter has seen a spike of more than $5,000 in donations. That is freaking awesome. And some of the people who have donated have cited the family as the reason for their gifts. So here's what I have to say to Avery. Avery, you're not responsible for your asshole father's behavior. You have no reason to be embarrassed by his actions. Those are his alone and do not reflect upon you or your mother. And obviously, obviously you were raised by the correct parent because you and she chose to take this and make a huge difference in so many other people's lives. Not just the people that will benefit from the donations, but the other people who donated because of the family. Yeah. You made a difference in their lives also. So Avery, high five to you. Yep. Um, the police were contacted and did respond to a domestic-related incident. When the officer arrived, authorities found a large amount of pennies in the roadway, the sidewalk, and the lawn of the residence. So he didn't just dump them in the lawn. He dumped them all over the road, too, which is a little on the dangerous side. The incident was documented, but no charges were filed. Yep. And Avery said, It's not just my mom he's trying to embarrass. It's also me and my sister. It's upsetting that he didn't consider that before he did that. But... They took this, what could have been a, what they could have perceived to have been embarrassing, and they turned it into, hey, look at what awesome people we are. Yeah. And what a chump he is. Yep. So a little bit about that safe harbor. It was founded in 1998, and it is among the victim service groups nationwide that have seen their access to federal funding dramatically cut in recent years. So this, this donation and the donations that have come from it, have really made a huge, huge difference for this organization. That's awesome. I'm going to include a link um, on this so people can check it out. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. We're going to move on. Yay! All right. We're going to London now. London! A see-through pool was set up 115 feet in the air. I saw a picture of this. Between two London skyscrapers. Saw this. Definitely making a big splash online. The Sky Pool at the Embassy Gardens Apartments is the world's largest floating acrylic pool. It is 82 feet long. 42 feet are suspended in midair. Residents can swim from one side to the other, and they can see the street 10 stories below. So the Sky Pool was officially open to residents the beginning of June. And while many people thought the Sky Pool was awesome, a lot of responses suggested a fear of heights Combined with a fear of drowning to the tune of, oh, fuck no. Uh -uh. That was pretty much my uh -uh. immediate reaction. Uh -uh. when I Did you see a picture? Yes. Yeah, my immediate reaction was, oh, hell no. Nothing can go wrong with this. No, I've, no. And I, here's here was my other thought. Acrylic is not indestructible by any means. Say that you're in the pool. Say that it starts to crack. How long does it take before that crack actually becomes noticeable and... By that point in time, do you have enough time to actually safely exit before the bottom drops out of that pool? I don't think so. Me either. No, thank you. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. Nope. Crazy. All right. Remember Craziness. The, remember the story that I did about animal heroes? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that was really fun. 
Remember the rats? Yes. The giant African pouch rats? Yes. Okay. Every worker deserves to enjoy retirement, even those with four legs. One heroic rat named Magua is about to get the golden years he deserves. The rodent has spent the last five years in Cambodia sniffing out landmines and has saved human lives in the process. So I was reading this story. Throughout his career, he actually found 71 landmines that were successfully, you know... uh, Unset? Disarmed? Disarmed. Disarmed is a good word. Yep. I was going to say detonated, but that was the wrong word. (laughs) And 38 items of unexploded ordnance. So other bombs and other things. So all told, well over 100. Yeah. And so he is now... He's retiring. He is retiring. Hopefully he's getting some benefits. And uh, they, like, have presented a medal to the rat, and they've done, like, this huge ceremony for him, and it's this whole big deal. That's cool. But this this story about this little rat has gone nationwide now, or, I mean, international now. Which is really awesome because when I was telling that story, I was like, this is so cute. Yeah. And then, you know, here we are. I think just maybe it went international because you told that story. Yes. Yeah, it's all about you. It's No, yeah, it's, you, it's, all, you, it's all about Magua. You, you did it. Yeah. You brought his attention to yeah. the world. So I want to show you this picture because when I imagine this rat, this is not quite. Look how big this rat is. Oh, my gosh. This rat is not small. No. Uh-uh. I would say the size of... A, a bunny, a small bunny. Yeah, yeah. It's a good size. Yeah, definitely not what I imagined when I was thinking of a rat. Right. But, yeah, I just thought that was really neat. They grow bigger in yep. Cambodia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's African. Okay. But, yeah. Yep, so there you go. That is And cool. if people are interested, they can actually... Go online. There is a whole video about him and the incredible work he did and the awards that he has won <laughs> available online. And it's it's Magawa, M-A-G-A-W-A. That is very cool. Yeah. We love our animal heroes. Yeah, I thought that was fun and it would be cool it to is. share that because we had already talked about it. All right. Very cool. Yeah. All right, Mary. Yeah. You got a story for us? I do. Do you got a story for us? I do. You want to go first? You want me to go first? Okay. All right, hold on to your pants, because you're going to laugh them right off. Okay, I did that last week. All right, you ready? All right, let the drinking begin. Let's talk about Iceland. Okay. I don't know about you, but there isn't really many places that I wouldn't travel to, but Iceland is not one that's ever been on my bucket list. No, because I picture it as really cold, and I don't like cold. And... I don't really even know a lot about it, to be perfectly honest. It's cold. That's all I need to know. So I thought I'd share a a few facts to get us started with this story. Okay. One, Mm -hmm. Iceland has more sheep than humans. Smart. I've met humans. I, some days, most days, would rather spend my day with sheep. All right. Good to know. Two, Iceland has no McDonald's at all anywhere in the entire country. Which is why we can't visit. Oh, you and I don't eat McDonald's. They don't need to know that. Okay, sure. Three, Iceland is the home to the largest glacier in all of Europe. Okay. I would like to see a glacier up close. I think it would be really cool. Really humbling. A lot of things are very humbling for you and I. Our sister licked a glacier. And look what happened to her. (laughs) 
she had a midlife crisis, bought a van, turned it into a camper, and is traveling the country. Yeah, they're in California. I know. I saw pictures. <laughs> All right. Four. Iceland has one of the lowest crime rates in the entire world. That's because they have a lot of sheep. Sheep aren't, like, real criminal-minded. It is so safe there that it's not uncommon for, like, say, the president to go jogging in the park without security. Crazy. We need to find out what they're doing, honestly. It, it's amazing. Okay. Five. Iceland has a book-giving holiday. <gasps> yes. It's called, and I'm probably going to totally butcher this, Jala Bookaflad. It takes place on December 24th. I have heard about this. That is, they exchange, it's like they exchange a gift and it's always a book yeah. on Christmas Eve. Yep, and then yes. they spend the evening in bed with drinking hot chocolate and reading their book. Yes. I think this I sounds think that's amazing. Awesome. I do. Yeah, absolutely. Fact number six Iceland is famous for the Blue Lagoon and Diamond Beach. Have you ever heard of either one of them? I've watched the movie. <laughs> Not sure we're talking about the same thing, though. I, I think that I'm going to go with no. Okay. Iceland is almost almost famous for what brings us together today. Now, notice I said almost famous. Okay. Drinking? Podcasting? No. Nope. The Icelandic Phallological Museum. Yeah, yeah, you heard that right. Phallological. Any guesses, Mary? It has to do with anatomy. It does. That's what I thought. This is probably the Why? <clears throat> In what crazy world can you put a man's penis with you and I getting together today? The story. This is The story is what's bringing us together today, Mary. About a museum about the penis? The man's penis? It's just, it's just the story, Mary. Okay. We're sharing this with the world. You remember what the name of the podcast is? Tell me something I didn't need to know. Well, I'm about to. You. Okay. Maybe I do need to know this now. <laughs> this is probably the only museum on the planet that is dedicated entirely to penises. Yes, we need to be there. McDonald's be damned. The museum opened in 1997 with a mere 62 specimens of penis. Are they real? Yes. The founder, whose name I cannot say his first name. I'm probably going to butcher his last name. And from now on, he shall simply be referred to as the, the founder. founder. <laughs> his name was... S is his first initial because I can't say it. His name still is this. Herterson. And I may have butchered that too. Okay. He was born in 1941. Okay. He is a historian with degrees from the University of Iceland as well as the University of Edinburgh in Scotland. He was a teacher and a principal for 37 years and he retired in 2004. Okay. Okay? Yes. As a he child. Is a penis historian. As a child... I have questions. Oh, I'm sure you do. I do. Save them for the end. As a child, the founder was given a bull's penis to use as a cattle whip. This gift sparked a lifelong interest in penises, which he wants to share with the world. I have an interest in penises, too, but I would have never got one as a child. <laughs> <laughs> the museum currently houses more than 300 <laughs> specimens from more than 100 different species. It has at least 350 artistic oddments and practical utensils, all related in some way to the penis. I have to say, I never quite thought I would say penis this much on air. <laughs> I noticed you're not stopping. 
There are at least 55 specimens belonging to different species of whales, 36 specimens from seals and walruses. There are more that there are there are more than 50 specimens from more than fuck if I know because apparently I didn't put it in here. <laughs> Actually, what happened was I was typing and my numlock was turned off, so I'm missing numbers. <laughs> anyway, there are specimens from various species of land mammals, including human. Well, I would hope so. The museum boasts specimens from 24 different folklore creatures. Which technically aren't real. Well, in Iceland, most of them aren't even visible. However... Is this a big room that appears to be empty? No. 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 <laughs> okay. okay. Um, they claim to have specimens from elves, trolls, kelpies, which are a water spirit. I had yeah. to look it up. Mermen. Ooh. Monsters, including the beach murmurer. Ooh. And even a ghost. Now I have more questions. <laughs> I have, I, I do. What exactly is the purpose of a ghost having a penis? Well, don't you remember the one pirate ghost got married? Yeah. Had sex with his wife. Oh, okay. He didn't need his penis. Okay. All right. Good, good, good answer. I want to know, did the ghost voluntarily donate his penis? Or did they just yank it off? Put it in a Ziploc baggie. So, there are specimens... Is that where all his powers were located? <laughs> Without his penis, he's like nothing? Yes, he's dissipated into nothing. If your house is haunted, rip his penis off, he'll disappear. <laughs> I just have questions. So, they have a lot of specimens from lands other than Iceland. Among the exhibits that you can find there, phallic art including lamps that illuminate the museum, which are made from the scrotums of bulls. Okay. <laughs> and <laughs> she's, she's struggling with whatever she's about to say. Sculptures of 15 penises based on Iceland's men's national handball team. The team won the silver medal at the 2008 Beijing Olympics, so the sculptures are made from a silver material. It has been stated that the sculptures are not in the same order as the team photo, but that the player's significant others would definitely recognize them. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I still have questions. You can see a five-foot whale penis. Now, was the whale five-foot or just his penis? The penis. They have large penises. That's like as tall as I am. An elephant penis that measures more than three feet long. The elephant penis is the only purchase that the museum has ever made. All the other items in the museum were either acquired at no cost by the founder or were donated to the museum. The museum has pledges from at least four men to donate their penis to the museum upon their death. That includes a pledge from American author and actor Jonah Falcon, who is known for his impressively large penis. Now, I will admit, I'd never heard of this man, which means I had to just do some research. You have to Google him. Please do not judge me by my search history. (laughs) Too late. (laughs) Apparently, his penis is 13 and a half inches long, and yes, it has been measured and documented on camera, including on HBO, and no, not in porn. He doesn't do porn. Who needs that much penis? I don't know, but I have seen pictures of him in, like, Boxer shorts. That's Aki. And 
That's just yucky. It hangs down his leg. <laughs> no kitty, it's not go it's got no place to go. <laughs> and all I could think is that cannot be comfortable. Kind of like John Dillerman. Pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Jonah has suggested that his penis should be displayed alongside a sp- a sperm whale penis, and the display could be titled Jonah and the Whale. <laughs> That's good. That would, that is good. In July of 2011, the museum received its first human penis. It was donated by a 95-year-old man upon his death. Unfortunately, the penectomy did not go as planned, and the specimen is now a pickled, shriveled, grayish-brown mass floating in a jar of formalin. The museum founder is looking forward to acquiring a younger, bigger, and better-looking penis. Joan is on his way. The museum is actually the subject of a film titled The Final Member. (laughs) It covers the founder's story as well as that of the museum. It can be seen for free on Tubi TV or rented on YouTube, Vudu, or Google Play for $2.99. The museum does have an online store available. Great. In case you would like to go shopping if you can't make it to Iceland to visit, but you'd like to support the museum. I checked it out. Of course you did. Doing my research here, man. In this store, you can find items such as books, clothing, magnets. T-shirt. Drinkware. I said clothing. Yep. Drinkware, food, toys, fishing lures, Christmas ornaments, condoms, and willy warmers. (laughs) And yes, every single item is penis themed. Of course. Fishing lure, penis themed. We need some of those. Literally everything, penis themed, yes. So Mary, what do you think? Should I add this to our travel itinerary? Before we go to Iceland, yes. I'll see if there's a group on. All right, and there you have it. Betcha. Iceland's Penis Museum. I would like to say, as a note, that they have this plan or goal of helping people to pursue the scientific study of the penis. If you would like to seriously study penises. I would. You move to Iceland and... No. Oh, okay. No, I want them to support me doing it here. Oh. It is now run by his son. He has, like, his son is the curator now. So. Good story. That's good story. (laughs) Well, that's kind of funny because my story is actually titled, My Name is Not Jonah. (laughs) That is the true title of my story. Oh. Have a drink, Hannah. All right. I drank during yours. I drank during mine, too. I needed it. Ten years previously, in 2011... While traveling in Costa Rica, Michael Packard was a passenger in a small plane that crashed in the jungle, killing the pilot, the co-pilot, and another passenger. Packard sustained multiple serious injuries to his abdomen and his upper body. The rescuers did find the remaining five passengers, including Michael, after two nights in the jungle, said they would not have survived another night. So did other people survive, not just Michael? Okay. five Five of them survived, Michael and four other passengers. Okay. But the pilot, the co-pilot, and one of the passengers died in the crash. Okay. Gotcha. So, pretty serious. Yes. Now, Michael Packard, he is actually a diver. 
He's not just any diver, but he's a scuba diver. Okay. Michael is also a lobster hunter by trade. Okay. This means every morning Michael and his crew get on their boat to J&J, and they head off to work. Where does Michael work, you ask? I knew knew you would. The ocean, because that's where lobsters live. Very good, Hannah. Very good. Um, Wait till I get done with this drink. I would not be able to answer that question. I didn't ask you my questions. Mm, Okay. Because nowhere on my organ donor card is there, do you want to donate your penis? (laughs) Nowhere. (laughs) Mary? Yeah. I know this will come as a great shock to you. You don't have a penis. What's his is hers, and what's hers is hers. Uh, so when you die, your husband's penis, if he's still alive, will be cut off and donated to a museum. If I had organ donation on my organ donation card that said, do you want to donate your... Yeah. Yes. Okay, what other questions do you have? I don't remember right now, but that was the only one I could think of right off the top of my head. Well, well if you think of another, you ask it, and we'll, we'll answer. Okay. All right, so Michael and his crew work in the Provincetown, Massachusetts area. Michael has been diving for about 40 years, since about the age of 16. Okay. Long time. Very experienced. He has been doing this a while. He is super experienced. Michael is also married. Oh, okay. He has a wife. He has two boys, ages 12 and 15. So, he has a lengthy career, and he's used to supporting his family as a commercial lobster diver. Okay. He has been called the best lobster diver people have ever seen or worked with. Oh. He is a smart guy and an exceptional diver. Okay. Commercial lobster divers have to actually have a very special license. Oh, I didn't know that. It is called a spiny lobster endorsement and commercial dive permit. Okay. Yes. And there's a lot of rules and regulations. That I did know. Their vessel must be licensed, and when the divers are diving, divers' down symbols must be displayed, and the symbols have to be able to be spotted from the air or the water in order to keep the divers safe. Okay. So, however they put them out there... Doesn't matter where you are, they have to be seen. Right. There's a lot of rules and regulations for hunting lobsters, but we're not going to get into all that because this isn't really about hunting lobsters. Right. I did know that, so. Uh, Commercial divers, commercial lobster divers are a very tough breed. They brave the cold waters off of Provincetown. They grab migrating lobsters off of a sandy shelf, and they grab them by hand. Wow. Yes. See, I always thought they just caught them in traps. No. Um... So this particular spot off of Provincetown, there's a lot of dangerous stuff going on there. So part of your crew, there's a, there's a specific crewman who stays on the boat, and he keeps track of the diver below by following the bubbles from his respirator. Okay. Okay. Because the diver can get pushed by strong currents, and that'll tell the crewman where he is. Right. Just because he says he's going down doesn't mean he's going to stay there. Right. Because of the currents. Divers have been dragged out to sea, which actually did happen to Michael Packard once, and he had to tread water for hours before they rescued him. Oh, my gosh. And he once and recovered the dead body of a fellow diver because he'd been carried away like that. Aww. Yes. So Michael Packard has had his share of close calls. Yes. For years, he was actually an abalone diver on the West Coast in an area with a lot of great white sharks that have a history of attacking divers. He lost some friends in this area to those predators. Wow. So on the morning of June 11th of 2021, Michael and his crew leave the land behind as they set off for a normal day of work. They're going to hunt lobster. The conditions are excellent. The water temperature is around 60. The water visibility is around 20 feet. They're surrounded by other fishing boats that are bringing in bass. 
stripers, and sandglasses. It's going to be a great day. Right. At least, at least that's what they think. Okay. So, Michael takes his first jump of the day, his first dive of the day. It's a good dive. He returns to the boat for a second dive, which he takes shortly before 8 a.m., and things go wrong pretty much fucking immediately. Okay. Michael feels a big bump, and everything goes pitch black. Well, that can't be good. It's no longer the beautiful, sunshiny day, but absolute total darkness. Michael thought immediately that maybe he'd been attacked by a great white shark. But he, he knows they're in the area. Right. But as he's feeling around, he realizes he's not feeling any teeth. Oh. Okay. He's actually feeling around. He thinks about his wife. He thinks about his boys. His life starts to flash before his eyes, which... How is it not? I can't imagine anything else. Like, what the fuck is going on? I'm going to die. I'm going to die. What the hell? If it's not a shark, the only other possibility is that he's been swallowed whole by a whale. <laughs> he can actually feel the muscles in the whale's mouth squeezing him. Well, this is not good. <laughs> so after 30 to 40 seconds, he's abs- he's abruptly flying through the air. Oh, my God. He lands in the water that he was in less than a minute ago. The whale had actually breached out of the water, shaken its head, and spit him out. The topside crew were frantically scanning for his respirator bubbles, actually saw him fly out of the mouth, through the air, and they haul him back into the boat. He is lucky enough to only have bumps and bruises. And how did he get lucky? After being swallowed by a whale that grows as large as a school bus. Uh, yeah. They're huge. So Michael was actually swallowed by a humpback whale. They can grow as big as 60,000 pounds. Oh my God. They actually feed mostly on krill and small schooling fish. That I knew. They blow bubbles which herds the fish together in large groups. And, if, and and frequently they will do this as a group. The whole group of whales will do this together. Right. Uh, so they, they travel in what's called a pod. Yeah. So they herd the fish together, and then they try to swallow the entire group in one gulp. It is surmised that the whale had opened his mouth to feed as Michael went into the water and actually just fell into his mouth. Michael was struggling the entire time he was in inside the whale's mouth, and he said he could actually feel the whale shaking his head from side to side, as if trying to dislodge him. Right. Humpback whales do not consume anything the size of humans. Their prey are much, much, right. much smaller. Right, tinier, yeah. And possibly Michael didn't get his salivatory glands going, so the whale came out of the water and spit him out. Humpback whales are not aggressive towards humans, and when they feed, their mouth actually billows out like a parachute and blocks their vision. Right. So he couldn't have seen Michael either. Right. The crew surmised that the whale was a medium-sized juvenile who was still learning how to feed. Okay. Wasn't super experienced at it. Humpbacks don't have any teeth, and their esophagus is not actually large enough to swallow a human being. Right, because they, they feed on such small stuff. Yes. Thank God. Michael's wife, understandably, was pretty damn upset. <laughs> she, you think? She wants him to switch jobs. But Michael has no plans to end his 40-year I mean, career. Let's just be real. What a freak coincidence. Yes. It's not like this is the kind of thing that you just expect to have happen on a regular basis. Right. But, I mean, you think about the plane crash. You think about being carried off to sea. You think about, you know, um, swimming with great whites that have killed some of the divers that he's died right. with. It's not the safest job in the world. No. Definitely. You know, 
he's probably got a very understanding, calm wife that, you know, one of these days she's going to go, that's the last straw. <laughs> Fucking out of here. Now, I can't help but think, if the whale's esophagus had been large enough to swallow him, then what happened? I think at that point in time he would have died. Yeah, because, I mean, stomach acid and various other yes. yeah. Yes. Um, but probably as soon as he was in his mouth, the whale knew he wasn't normal food. Right, exactly. But I'm just saying, had this turned out differently, had the whale's esophagus been large enough to allow him to swallow Michael? What do you hang on to when you're in there? You grab the uvula. (laughs) (laughs) You hang on for dear life. You hope that you can, you know, trick trick their gag reflex and make them vomit. I don't know. I don't know. I just can't even imagine. I can't even imagine it either. Crazy. Because... For the most part, whales in the water are super quiet. Very, yeah. very quiet. Yeah, there have been a lot of instances of whales actually swimming right underneath boats. And, and boats, they never know. Well, I mean, sometimes the boats have video cameras going or whatever, and they yeah. actually catch it. But they, without that video footage, they would have yeah, no idea most of the time. massive creature. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. Huge, They're huge. massive. That's very cool. Yeah. He was pretty pretty banged up and bruised, and I did, I did read one story that his sister said he had some broken bones, but Michael himself, in every story that I read, said no, it was all bumps and bruises. Can you imagine what goes through your mind if you're the crewmate, and all of a sudden you just see like this whale come out of the water and Michael go flying? Can't even imagine. I mean, that would have been an awesome thing to say. Hey, how were you, how would you feel when your boss was flying through the air? You know. Oh my gosh, and scary. Yeah, not being able to track him because by now his bubbles are gone. I mean, right? He's not. There's. They're probably not escaping the whale's whale's mouth at that point. No. At which point, I'm sure the the crew is starting to get frantic. Oh yeah. Great. How do we explain this to Michael's wife? Oh man. <laughs> wow. Well. That was Michael, actually. We yeah. are glad you are not Jonah. Uh, <laughs> that was actually brought to us by a listener. That is awesome. Yes, and I did some research and I found the other stuff and it just added so much to that story. He's, yeah, I would say he's had a very blessed and lucky life. I hope that someday Michael would write a book. I would read it. Yes, I can't even imagine. Wow, it's crazy. Yep. And apparently the cat can't believe it either. Nope. She's just putting her in her two cents worth. Yes, she is. She definitely is. All right. Well, thank you to everyone who stopped by and lent us their ear today. Absolutely. Yay! Woo! We hope that you enjoyed our stories today, and we hope that the rest of your 4th of July... Is amazing. Is amazing. Yes. Fun. Happy. Safe. Yes. Be safe. Be happy. Eat lots of food. And make sure you come back to us next week. Of course. You can find us on Facebook at Tell Me Something I Didn't Need to Know or at TMSIDNTK at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter at TMSIDNTK. And we have an Instagram that we are working on getting up and running. Oh, yeah. If you have suggestions, ideas, comments. Send them our way. Throw them at us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you have bizarre little stories. Shoot them at us. I love it when I get listener ideas. If you really stumble do. across a small story or a small video that intrigues you 
and you'd like us to dig into it and do some research and share what we can come up with, let us know. Absolutely. We'd love to do that stuff. If you enjoyed your short stop with us, please feel free to follow the podcast and leave us a rating and a review. Oh, yeah. That rating and review help us. It helps us to know how we're doing. It helps us to get new listeners. It helps us to get sponsors. It just really, really helps us out. You can find us pretty much anywhere that you can listen to a podcast. There aren't very many podcast platforms that we are currently not on, which is awesome. So this co- this podcast is co-hosted by Mary and usually Andrew, who isn't with us right now. So right now you're stuck with me, Hannah Green. And all editing is done usually by Mary. Mary, do we have a final thought till next time? I don't even have any final. I don't even have any beginning thoughts. You know how I struggled? No, um, I don't. Yeah. Everybody have an awesome, fantastic, amazing day and enjoy your week. Happy holiday, guys. Bye. I should put the whole sign right in front of my puss. Well, there's other people in the cast besides ourselves. I should put it in front of your face. Well, what is the difference? What are you, high class guy or something? They I mean, don't, don't put it in front of my face. I want to look at all the people out here. Oh, they see enough of your face. What's that wrong with me? Well, let's get started with the show. Let's do some funny stuff. What funny stuff? You know, let's tell something. Well, we don't uh, we don't tell jokes. We, in fact, we have no jokes. We tell ru- uh, ru- routine minute, sort of uh, stories. And... We have no jokes. No, that's right. You're I was, right. I was telling you. But I have a joke. You, ha- you have a what? I have a joke. Where'd you get it? I tell a joke. Where'd you get the joke? I wrote it myself. You wrote a joke? Brand new one. Wrote it yourself? Nobody's ever heard it before. Is it funny? It's clean. Yeah, I don't mean that. Is it funny? <laughs> So. And it's brand new. Yes. You think the folks out there will like it? I think so. It's a, it's, it's a fish story. How long will it take to tell it? A couple of seconds. The only thing is, you ain't got nothing to say in it. You might as well get a chair and sit down because you don't open your mouth once through the whole thing. But it's funny. Very cute. And you wrote it. Yeah, but you keep your mouth shut. You don't get... You no. got nothing to say whatsoever. No, I don't have to say anything as long as you wrote it. It's about a whale, a ship, and Jonah. And it's funny. Yeah. And you wrote it. Yeah, now don't talk right. no more. Well, go ahead. Let's hear it. Let's now, see don't say funny. another word. No. As long as it's funny. It's funny! And it's brand new. Now keep your mouth shut. Right, let's hear it. Once upon a time, there was a whale. What kind of a whale? <laughs> what kind of a whale? You see, that's what I mean. You've got to keep your mouth shut. You ain't got oh. nothing to say in this. Well, all right, no, it's not a whale. You important. don't have to ask me what kind of whale it is because I don't know what kind of whale it was. All right, let's forget about it. How do I know what kind of whale it is? Don't shout now. What do you think I do? Belong to a whale? Gain or something? I know the whale's higher whale. I asked you to keep your mouth shut, didn't I? Go ahead. Well, keep it shut. Now, this whale was in the ocean. What ocean? This so. What ocean? I think the folks would like to know where this took place, don't you think? Go ahead. Pick out ocean what I care. That's immaterial to me. All right, immaterial ocean. Oh, what kind of ocean? Now, the whale was in the immaterial ocean. It was mine its own business, but it was following a ship. What ship? This ship. What ship? What ship? You don't say nothing in the story. I do the whole story by myself. You're telling it, but I just... But you keep opening your mouth. Now, keep a shot. I only ask you what kind of a ship. A ship, a plain everyday ship that swims in the water. You mean a swim ship? Yeah. Now, the whale was following a swim ship because... Who ever heard of a swim ship? I don't know, Lou. That's your story. Please, keep your mouth away, please. All right, go ahead. You're getting me aggravated now. Take it easy, take it easy. Go ahead. Now, the ship was following the whale. What? Because... Now I got the ship following the, the whale. The whale was following the ship. The whale was following the ship.
was following the ship yeah. because the whale was hungry. Naturally. Now, Captain Jonah was a captain of the boat, and he didn't want the whale to capsize the boat. Do I? He didn't want the whale to capsize the boat. Capsize. So he, he didn't want the whale to capsize the boat. Capsize. So he... Because he... you know what capsize means. I don't put in big words like that if I don't know what it means. Plus, I don't know what it means. He didn't want the whale what to cap... mean? capsize. Capsize. That's a big word. Well, what does it mean? It's a good one. Well, what does it mean? Capsize. Capsize. Story should have been over. Well, what does it mean? Get it over with. Capsize. Capsize. Like seven and a quarter, six oh, All right. <laughs> so he didn't want the whale to six or seven eighths the boat. Yeah. So what did he, he Captain Jonah was a brave man, so he threw the, he threw the whale over a barrel of apples. What kind of apples? And, and just as soon as he, he, he... What kind of apples? I guess you're not tend to rock me. Well, what kind of apples? What, what's... So harmful about that. Plain I... everyday apples. Well, apples that grow out of trees. Well, there's all kinds of apples, Lou. There's Baldwin apples, there's frost apples. And... Crab apples! Well, tell the people. He's not being mad at you, oh, folks. Take it easy, take it easy, take it easy. Come on now, get it over with. So the whale ate the apples. Yeah, he ate the apples. Now, Captain Jonah realized that the whale was still going to capsize the boat. Don't ask me again about that thing. All right. So when, he, when the whale ate the apples, he was still hungry. So then Captain Jonah threw him over a stool. What kind of stool? Who said that? Me, in case you ask. Oh, what? A three-legged camp stool. So the whale ate the stool. Now, the whale ate the apples, and the whale ate the stool, and the whale was still hungry. In other words, his appetite had not been appeased. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty good word, too. All right, too. Well, go ahead. Let's hear the finish list. So Captain Jonah, being a very brave man, he didn't want the whale to capsize the boat, and he wanted to save all the passengers mm -hmm. on the boat. So what did he do? I don't know. I'm going to tell you what he Just did. Keep quiet. Go ahead. He sacrificed himself. Yeah. He threw a beautiful jackknife dive right off the boat into the mouth of the whale. Mm -hmm. Now, the whale opened up his mouth and he swallowed Captain Jonah, he swallowed the apples, and he uh, swallowed the stool, and then the whale swam wait, away. Wait a minute, Lou. Three years later, uh, they caught that very Lou, same Lou, whale down here in the just, bay. Just a minute. And they cut him open. Wait, wait a minute, Lou. And what do you think they found? Wait a minute, just one minute. One more interruption. Now, he says something here, then I tell wait you the funny answer. One more interruption. <laughs> Uh, Lou, you're not coming out here in front of this intelligent audience. Millions and millions of people listening and watching. You're not coming out and trying to get away with that old wheeze, that old pun about the time they, they caught the whale and they cut him open and there they found Jonah seated on that stool selling those apples three for a nickel, are you? That's not the story you intended to come out here and open up the show with. Now, wait a minute. Folks, I'm really sorry. I want to apologize. It couldn't be that story. Because every little schoolboy knows that story. That's right. And he said it was brand new. No one had ever heard about it. And, but I'm sorry. I apologize. Now, you go ahead and tell the folks what they found when they cut the whale open. I say, tell the folks what they found when they cut the whale open. You, you do know the answer, don't you? Hmm? Now, you feel good? You know, I, I, I thought it was a build-up to that old wheeze, but it couldn't be that because every little schoolboy knows that joke. <laughs> Got the wheel open there. They found Jonah seated on the stool. I, Lou, 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 come here a minute now. We're not finished. I want you to tell the folks. 